Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner Podcast number 112. My name is John and with me today is Ryan. Hello. And uh, Ryan, uh, we're going to talk about Galaxy's Edge today, which was uh, kind of your idea uh, and a good one uh, to be sure. So yeah, we're going to talk about like uh, all things Galaxy's Edge because the park is open and uh, we haven't been which no. is, uh, no, we haven't <laughs> been, so we're just going to do a whole show about it because we've never been there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we haven't been, but there's a lot of uh, lot of info and, and uh, news and stuff coming out. Um, and we've also been reading the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge comic, which is uh, tied in with that. So, so we're going to talk about those things today. Maybe a little bit of a briefer episode, but uh, boy, do we say that every time. So we'll see what mm. happens. Yeah. Um, so let's just jump in. Let's talk about Galaxy's Edge. And um, which story should we start with here, Ryan? Because we have a couple of news stories we want to talk about, just sort of the, uh, the, the, the haps, what's going on with Galaxy's Edge, and then we'll, we'll talk about the comics. So which of these do you think would be a good one to uh, kick it off with here? Um, probably the most negative one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so this is a Yahoo article, and the headline is Disneyland's Star Wars Galaxy's Edge crowd smaller than anticipated um so basically the article uh talks about how like they predicted and prepared for like super um huge crowds and it says here paths were widened planters were narrowed and queues were redesigned um but the it says that crowds have been lighter than anticipated since Galaxy's Edge opened to all visitors on June 24th. Um, and it says, I guess, kind of like the metric, um, sort of the metric that they're using here to, you know, create this story, um, is the virtual queue which park officials created to handle high demand has only been triggered triggered a handful of times typically in the morning otherwise galaxy's edge has been open with no limits allowing guests to come and go as they please um demands for the millennium falcon ride um that demand has also been manageable um it's it says here that it's um typically hovered between 30 and 60 minutes uh spiking to 90 minutes at time um and you know they compare it to other rides uh within um you know theme parks that take up to that have like two or three hour long waits which were kind of what we um expected uh like, I know I was kind of rolling into this um, expecting, like, f- to wait two or three hours for, like, literally everything um, at Galaxy's Edge, but that doesn't seem to be the case so far. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting that, uh, I mean, I understand uh, the impetus for a story like this, but it's like, oh, the experience of going to the Galaxy's Edge is not awful. Their lines are not, you know, outrageous. Um, it must be a failure. Um but uh no i mean it, 
it's uh it's one of those situations where it's like well is this because things are being managed really well and because things are being managed really well and it was designed to handle a certain number of people um at all times um is 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 that what's going on um or is it because people just aren't you know showing up or whatever but uh i don't know it's it's tough to say um i've seen from people who've been and from people who've been following i've kind of seen perspectives um on both sides of it sort of like you know, people pointing to videos of just a sea of people like marching into Galaxy's Edge in the morning and saying like, oh my God, it's going to be awful uh, to the opposite spectrum, which is like people taking pictures in corners of the park where there's nobody around them and, and trying to argue that means the place is dead and empty all the time. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, unless Disney kind of is willing to put information, I know they're not, but willing to put uh, statistics out there about attendance and things like that. I think it's really uh, kind of tough to say, but, you know, for instance, with the Millennium Falcon ride, um, I know when we talked about this, you know, sometime in the spring or whatever, um, we were talking about the design of the ride and the fact that it has maybe like eight different pods or something like that, that kind of mm-hmm. circle around. And so, um, you know, at any given time, there's multiple people riding on it, uh, not multiple, like multiple groups of people riding the ride. Um, you know, that sort of, to me, that felt like, well, hopefully that'll mean the lines aren't crazy. And uh, I, I remember it seemed like even on opening day um, when the park was full to the max, I don't remember the Millennium Falcon. I mean, you know, obviously I'm just seeing what people are posting on Twitter, but it seemed like early in the morning, the line was crazy. But then even like when the park was completely full, the line never was four hours long or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if part of it is, is, you know, the way the park is set up and the experiences and stuff are set up is that even when it's, you know, as full as they kind of plan for it to be or close to as full as they plan for it to be, it's still a decent experience with reasonable lines, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're exactly right that um, there's two perspectives to this. Like, um, first of all, like, the perspective of everyone who I follow on Twitter who has gone has been, like, this rules. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> I think, like, that's the most important thing. Like, um, obviously, we want Star Wars to be successful so that we can, you know, keep getting more of it. But, like, I don't really care how much money Disney makes off this or how, you know, uh, like, whatever. Um, You know, they've committed to it. It's there. Um, You know, they're going to... It's not going to go away. So... Um, I'm not really concerned with that side of it. Like, I have no horse in that race. Um, but, like, I'm just, I'm glad it's good. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really just, like, people have just made me want to go there more. Um, and, yeah, there is still that, like, I've seen some of the garbage on Twitter. Like, the, that, uh, that one contingent of fans, you know the ones, who, um, you know, want everything Star Wars to fail now because they didn't like a movie or something. And um, so, yeah, I have seen people posting like, oh, this, you know, this park is a failure. Like Disney killed Star Wars again because I think they killed it already with The Last Jedi um, from those people's perspectives. But um 
but yeah and they're like yeah the park is deserted like tumbleweeds and like all this stuff and it's like well it's definitely not that um i think it's probably but it's also not like what we expected where there was going to be like riots and stuff in there and people like you know black friday style trampling each other to get in um so i think you know disney seemed to have planned for like the worst case scenario of like so many people and like trying to keep those people comfortable and having fun because even if it's like in the most immersive um you know thing ever like if you're just like elbow to elbow with other people and you can barely move like that's not fun like um you know i i experienced that when i went to uh the harry potter thing in um universal studios japan like it was just so packed that it didn't feel immersive because you were just trying to like walk to a place and it was so crowded that that was like nearly impossible so like that didn't feel good or fun like you want to kind of be able to like have some space and be able to um stroll through at like your own pace um so yeah i mean i think disney planned for like the absolute maximum uh which was a good idea and you know that maximum has only been hit at like certain times um but otherwise it seems like a very comfortable enjoyable experience there so um i don't really think there's like anything wrong about this like i mean i guess like i did say like i don't care how much money it makes but i guess you know it does need to you know get enough people through there all the time to um you know uh sustain itself um before they have to start like cutting corners here and there um which would kind of ruin the experience so Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't think this is like like yeah this is a story, but I don't think it's necessarily bad news. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because, uh, you know, it is just part of Disneyland and the experience of going to Disneyland. So, um, you know, I, I would imagine that eases the the crowding a little bit too. Like if you showed up in Anaheim and your choice was, well, I can buy a ticket to go to Galaxy's Edge, but that means that's the only thing I can do today, mm. then, you know, that would probably um, result in it being a little more overcrowded too. But, you know, the fact that people are coming in through Disneyland and, you know, doing things at Disneyland as well as in Galaxy's Edge, it's like you have a certain number of people that are at the park that day, but they're not necessarily all in Galaxy's Edge all at once because they can be, you know, at the Haunted Mansion or whatever too. Or, you know, I, I don't know how many rides are at Disneyland. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, but I don't yeah. know. <laughs> That's the one that came to mind. Um, but, you know, and it'll be the same thing in Orlando. Is that, uh, you know, there will be um, Hollywood Studios and other things to do um, with your ticket there. You wouldn't get into Magic Kingdom unless you bought the Park Hopper ticket, I think. Um, so, yeah. But I've heard, you know, from uh, quite a few people that live like online and even, you know, talking to the one or two people that I know that live out in LA. Um, I've heard from people like, yeah, I definitely want to go, but I'm, I'm not going to go like right away. Cause I know it'll be nuts, you know? So, uh, I think that's gotta be part of it too. It's just people anticipating that, well, it's going to be wild there. It's going to be so crazy mm. full. So, 
you know, I'll wait until the fall when it's usually not as busy anyway or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and I would imagine once the, um, the resistance ride opens up too, uh, that, that would make things a little, you know, that's even one other area that people can be lining up for and Mm -hmm. experiencing. So that should help ease things too, actually, unless it's bringing that many more people in the door. Um, cause I know, you know, some people who've been, have made that recommendation, like it's great, but you know, if you're planning a trip or something, maybe wait until everything's ready to go mm-hmm. instead of the kind of the soft launch thing. So I'm, I'm sure that's holding some people back from going to. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's not stopping people from stealing things from Galaxy's Edge though, huh? Oh um, man. Some real life stories. smugglers here. Some real <laughs> yeah. low lifes. Some nerf herders. Yeah, I had heard about this because I knew that they had like special space sporks or something that were mm-hmm. used in in the cantina or in the restaurants, whatever. Um, however, that's referred to. Um, and uh, apparently, they're not using those anymore because people are just taking them home with them. <laughs> and look, I'm not going to say I've never been to an establishment with like a really cool like pint glass, and uh, that I've never seen. You know, other people, not me, Ryan, but other people, kind of. Um, Uh, take a pint glass home with them or something it's happened uh in other places besides galaxy's edge Mm -hmm. you know from other individuals besides me but um uh, you know uh that that's maybe to be expected a little bit but it seems like uh you know as is the case with star wars people are are getting a little out of hand with um lifting things out of uh galaxy's edge yeah and i think like what um (laughs) what kind of sucks about it is that um I don't know. Like you can't you can't rationalize stealing. But there's no. different like levels of it. Um you know, there's need versus greed. Um and then there's like just strong desire. Like so if you know, if Steve Sansweet rolled into Galaxy's Edge and pocketed a spork so that he could, you know, put it in his museum so that everyone could enjoy that spork, that space spork. Like, that, okay, cool. Um, but the problem is, people are just taking them and selling them on eBay. Yeah, that's that's the thing, because it's like if you, as you said, you know, it's not justified to take a spork or whatever. I mean, I went to Denny's when they had the solo promotion going on. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty into the menu with the solo stuff on it. But I didn't take it. Yeah. I didn't take anything. But, you know, if I had stolen a menu, which I really didn't, but if I had, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, yeah, you stole something, but you didn't walk into a store and steal a product they were selling. You just you just took something like, you know, cool that I'm sure they know they're going to have to continue to stock the place with because they're going to get spilled on or they're going to get ruined or whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, or the pilot ticket, because apparently people are taking like, uh, or some people are trying to sell like the pilot tickets you get or whatever when you go on the Millennium Falcon ride and that's your job. So they give you a little card that says you're the pilot. You know, mm-hmm. people are stealing those. Again, you shouldn't take them. That's not allowed, whatever. But it's not the same as going into, you know, the shop and stealing a T-shirt or something that's for sale for $30 and you decided I'm not going to pay for it. I'm just going to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite the same thing. But all that being said, when you are taking it with the intention of making money on it, like some kind of uh, uh, 
uncool person, uh, then that I think that's like, you know, it's outrageous. And, and that's what it seems like a lot of people are doing is like, well, let's just go into Galaxy's Edge and just like grab stuff that we can try to like, you know, flip on eBay and make money off of, you know, um, ripping this place apart. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, like it also it sucks that like eBay is like, yeah, it's cool. You can sell that stuff here. Like yeah. when it's like obvious, like you you have no reason to own this like i mean man i wonder like if ebay had been like no that's you know in the same way you can't sell heroin on ebay like you can't sell this uh (laughs) this spork um because it's you know this is uh you know when this comes up in our terms and stuff like it's uh you know it's obviously not yours it's it's stolen like you know they have a way of filtering out what's sold on there it's not like oh it's out of our hands um, yeah but but be careful about that authoritarian future you wish for though because it's like you know when when in the 90s when like there was blockbusters and video stores and stuff and you know Revenge of the Sith came out on DVD. There was like all kinds of like promotional posters and like stand-ups, cardboard stand-ups and like different things like that. I mean, there still are, you mm-hmm. know. There's all kinds of signage and things that, you know, um get thrown away most of the time and and will sometimes be, you know, rescued by somebody other whether that's out of the dumpster or, you know, um through the generosity of a manager that gives something away or mm-hmm. whatever. So it just makes me a little nervous the idea that, you know, hey, eBay should be like going in and, and, and taking down auctions of anything that's not like an official product that's allowed to be, you know, or like how how long does it take before then EA says, hey, you know what, eBay, like a person really shouldn't be able to sell a used copy of uh, Fallen Order either because they're not an authorized seller of Fallen Order. And I, I don't know. Uh, Drugs are illegal. That's why you can't sell them. Uh, sporks are <laughs> sporks and heroin. I'm not sure the uh, the analogy <laughs> or the comparison there is really that apt, but yeah. you know. Well, if you get something for free, you shouldn't be selling it anyways, just as like a person. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, okay, so if if Blockbuster gave me a Revenge of the Sith like signage in 2000. Six uh-huh. and I decide now in 2019 I want to sell it on eBay. Is that like is that bad? Well, you should. I mean, you got it for free. You should give it to someone. You should give it to me. If you don't want okay. it anymore, like right. give it to a okay. friend. All right. Not not everything in this life is about making money. All right, that's true. But uh, that's true. But I think intentions are are important here. Like if All you right. go into Galaxy's Edge and you're ripping stuff off so that you can sell it you suck mm-hmm. but you know i I'm, I'm not sure that i'm i'm hoping for the benevolent overlords at the silicon valley company ebay to be shutting down you know what what people are i sound like a libertarian right now mm. um, which, yeah just let the market decide yeah not no but uh it's fine we can move I, on I, think I get cards, what you're saying yeah 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 all right Okay. Yeah. Well, that sucks that stuff's getting stolen at Disneyland mm-hmm. uh, at Galaxy's Edge. But, um, it's pretty unsurprising, I guess. There's also a ton of stuff being sold, though, which kind of contradicts the uh, the argument that uh, actually, you know, Galaxy's Edge is a failure and there's not enough people going there because um, they're selling uh, tons of merch to the point that some of the stuff is, is kind of uh, sold out. Um, 
apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a CNBC story from just a couple days ago. So this is uh, recent information. Um, and it sounds like, you know, there, there, um, there are reports that lightsabers um, are tough to come by right now, kyber crystals, some droid parts, um, and that uh, Disney uh, is, uh, the only thing they said is that they're working hard to restock those items. So, um, you know. Uh, and, and some of those items are pretty expensive too. Like the lightsabers mm-hmm. are crazy expensive. I mean, they're really cool as well. Uh, as are the droids. The droids are really expensive too. Um, really cool. But, uh, you know, if those expensive products are selling out, um, you know, I think that, uh, that's a, that's a good sign that people are pretty excited about Galaxy's Edge, having a good time there and feeling like they want to legitimately take a piece of Galaxy's Edge home with them, you know, rather than, than stealing the sporks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Um, people are selling and, the uh, Cokes. Are they? Yeah, people are selling those on uh, eBay. See, now, you know, we don't want to keep having this philosophical uh-huh. debate or whatever, but, like, I can't go to Galaxy's Edge until next year, but I I, I kind of would like a Coke. Um, <laughs> you know, I would drain it. I would pop a hole in the bottom of it and let all the Coke out and then, you know, have that can. Um, and if somebody were to sell that to me for like 10 bucks or even 15 bucks, you know, and they, what does it cost? What does a Coke cost at Galaxy's Edge? I wonder. I think they're it's like got to be like seven, seven or $8, or eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody wants to sell me one for 15 bucks on eBay, like, I think that's cool. Um, I guess they didn't get it for free though. So that wouldn't violate your rule because yeah. they had to pay for it. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. Um, it's, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, some of this stuff is, is, uh, is really cool. And, and, and I'm definitely going to be picking up some galaxy's edge gear when I, when I come back from there. Um, I don't think that I personally necessarily will be buying the, the droid or the lightsaber considering the price, but, Mm -hmm. um, sounds like quite a few people are. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so something like really cool about these (laughs) sellouts, like this is what, uh, this is what I like about it is um, so it said, according to the park employee, the Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ray, Mace Windu and Darth Vader sabers are currently out of stock. Several Twitter users said the Ahsoka Tano sabers were also sold out. However, CNBC was n- n- unable to confirm this in character. I like to blame Hondo Onaka for being late on his shipments, the Disney employee <laughs> said. <laughs> nice. And that like right nice. there, like that's what I think is like so special and wonderful about Galaxy's Edge. Like I'm so into like the the like role playing side of it. Um, yeah, no, no. Yeah. And there's a, there's like a tweet that was pretty viral, uh, over the last like 24 to 48 hours about, I think Matt Martin retweeted it, which is how I saw it, but I saw other people retweeting it too. Um, about, I think it was a, a little girl, um, dressed as Ray and the conversation that she was having, um, with some of the, uh, the employees there, the stormtroopers and other employees that were, you know, kind of like making her part of the story. And, uh, I don't have it pulled up or, you know, ready to go right now, but, um, but yeah, that was kind of making a splash on, on Twitter over the last couple of days. The idea that, uh, that, um, some kids and, and people that are, you know, going to galaxy's edge are, are, 
really having a lot of fun um, just communicating with the people that work there mm-hmm. and uh, and the kind of the storytelling that's happening in, in you know, simple interactions like buying a lightsaber at the store or not buying a lightsaber yeah. at the store because they're sold out. But um, rather than just saying like, sorry, we're making tons of cash here. It's really popular. We don't have any mm-hmm. um, to answer, you know, something along the lines of, of uh, Hondo's late with a shipment. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also like that great video of the, the woman dancing and like panning up to the stormtroopers who are like, stop. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that video. I didn't see oh, that. It's I pretty did not. good. They like make this like, um, like, cut it out like movement with their hands i've seen i've seen some grumpy kylo ren reactions which yeah. i like yeah yeah <laughs> oh it's so cool i love it yeah no that stuff will be that stuff will be really really fun um cool uh well last kind of like news story we have here is um about the $25,000 life-size custom astromech droids that are being sold um, in the Droid Depot. So um, we've known all along and heard quite a bit about how, you know, you could buy yourself a customized droid at um, Galaxy's Edge in the Droid Depot. Um, and somehow it escaped me. I didn't realize that they were selling, um, you know, full-size um, R2 units there. Because um, I think the the... R R two units or the BB units um, they sell there are about hundred dollars, mm-hmm. um, and they're eighteen inches tall. Um, and I've seen a lot of photos and stuff on Twitter of people you know coming out of the Droid Depot with their customized droid, and mm-hmm. that sounds awesome. And it's I'm sh- I mean actually hundred dollars doesn't seem like too bad of a price yeah. for that. Um, it seems pretty reasonable in fact. Um, but uh, you know these twenty five thousand <laughs> dollar life size custom actor astromech droids I didn't mm-hmm. realize were a thing at Galaxy's Edge. Obviously, that's way outside of anything that I could ever spend, but uh, but it's pretty cool. And I know that they're like on display in the store, and it sounds like the ones that they're selling for twenty five thousand dollars are basically the same ones that are kind of rolling around the park every now and then, and that you'd see there anyway. Um, but yeah, they they sound awesome. I don't know if you got a chance to check yeah. this article out or not. Yeah, um, no, I mean they're like one to one size wise. Um, you can. I believe they come with a remote control mm-hmm. to yep. uh, to control. I mean, essentially, you're buying like a prop from the film. Like it, it, it at least going by this like R two unit here. Like it looks screen ready. Um, yeah, and I mean, I guess it's like different. You have to like go up and feel it, and uh, you know, check it out and stuff. But. Um, like when kind of putting it in that perspective, it's like, oh, I kind of get it. Um, but they're custom built, so like you can't just like go in there and be like, I'll take an R two. Here's here's my credit card. <laughs> like um, you have to like put in your order for it, and then it takes like up to three months to actually get yeah. it delivered. Yeah, and and you can choose like the colors for different, you know. F- elements of the droid and stuff and then uh you can also choose to have it be like squeaky clean or have it distressed too which is cool mm-hmm. um and and so like you said like it's almost like you're buying a, a prop from the movie and that's uh sort of true or i think maybe another way to think about it too is that you are um buying a ready-made um droid that you know our two builders spend a year or two you know building mm. or whatever um 
which is also awesome. Uh, I wonder how this compares to, I've never like researched, but I assume there are people out there that will build you an R2 unit, you know, like R2 mm-hmm. builders that will build one for, for somebody. Um, and I wonder what it would cost to, you know, buy one from someone who is like a legit R2 builder versus, you know, buying one from Disney. I, I would assume you could get one for far less than 2,500 or 25,000. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I mean, some of the, some of the R2 units you see at celebration, like you went into the R2 builders room, right, Ryan, when you mm-hmm. were, I mean, and, or no, I saw them when they were all out the parade display. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, some of them, they all look fantastic. Um, some look more screen ready than others. Yeah. More screen accurate than, than others. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. um, no, this, this one from the photo anyway, looks unbelievable. And it, it's got to, because if they're the same droids that they have out in the park, then, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're certainly going to be, um, like you said, basically screen accurate. So, um, yeah. but I don't know if we even said this, they're, they're actually, they are selling these. So, um, what, what was yeah. the number three were sold, uh, during the first week that the park was open. So, um, wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they were all sold to Steve Sansweet. <laughs> um, you know, that's a, I, I wonder, I, I, I bet he didn't buy one, but I bet he's got something just as good already um, yeah. up there at Rancho yeah. Obi-Wan. So. Yeah, I wonder if there'll be like a new section in, they'll have to like expand Rancho Obi-Wan because there's so much stuff mm. at Galaxy's Edge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they've got one of everything. Um, you know, besides the yeah. $25,000 droid, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. right on. Cool. Um, well, that it literally costs twice as much as my car. <laughs> yeah. Mine is, which is insane, but cool. <laughs> mine too. Mine too. Yeah. My car was $12,999 when I bought it. So yeah, that's about what mine was. Yeah. Well, why don't we jump into the comic and talk a little bit about this tie-in material. Um, we have more tie-in material on the way because the, the comic's not done yet. Um, there's more comic mm-hmm. to come. Um, there are three issues out now, and it's going to be a five-issue series. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, and then we also have, um, oh, what is the name of the book coming out um, later in August? Um, something of Fate, right? Crash of Fate. A Crash of Fate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a crash of fate coming out as well, um, and I'm sure uh, more stories uh, beyond that as well. And then there's the Delilah Dawson book as well. Oh yeah, um, about V, Vi or Vi. Uh huh. Yeah. And, and and Cardinal is in that book as well, right? Mm-hmm. And what's that one yeah. called? Oh, we don't know at the moment. No, I don't remember. Okay. But I can picture the cover perfectly. I just can't picture the title. <laughs> right on. Right on. 
Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah, so, well, you're the comics guy, Ryan, so why don't we talk about this Galaxy's Edge comic? Uh, Ethan Sachs is the writer, is that correct? Mm-hmm. And what yeah. else has he done in Star Wars? Uh, not much. Um, I think he had a short story in... Um, wait, now I'm not even... This might be the first Star Wars thing. Okay. Or no, he it looks like he was had a short story in Age of the Republic. Okay. So I think maybe one of those, um, one of those like in the annual or whatever. Yep. Um, I think one of those was his. Are you familiar with his work from other Marvel stuff or other comic stuff, or not really? No, no. The first, um, it, the first time I even like uh heard of him mm-hmm. was when um i was meeting um greg pock at celebration and he was also there oh um and he and he was like yeah i wrote i'm writing galaxy's edge which wasn't out yet oh wow okay so yeah so you know him <laughs> you guys are buds Oh yeah, great friends. Okay, um, but it looks like he's he's written some uh, old man Hawkeye and old man Quill hmm. over at Marvel, which is uh, based on the old man Logan uh, book by Mark Miller. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, he's pretty new to um star wars comics at least okay yeah all right so um well basically like the setup of these comics is that they take place the framing kind of device of the story takes place on batu and then we go out elsewhere into the galaxy um to explore the stories behind either the characters or the artifacts that are there um on batu uh so it's it is a story set in Batu, or it is a series set in Batu, and, and we do learn about Batu and Galaxy's Edge um, through reading it. But it's also um, kind of delving into more um, commonly explored areas of Star Wars as well, kind of in the mm-hmm. the primary section of each book. So I don't know. What do you want to talk about each of them, like kind of one at a time here? Yeah, I think like um, I want to talk about my first impression. Um which like and kind of like the evolution of my thoughts on this series um issue one i didn't really like no i didn't um okay (laughs) um i was like you know we get introduced to these new characters in like the framing device part and we get introduced to like batu and stuff and like i thought that part was cool and then it's like you know 18 pages of a Han Solo story and which is fine Han Solo is cool but as we've kind of talked about um on previous episodes recently like there is a degree of fatigue um at this point where like we've just gotten so it's just like so non-stop with original trilogy character stories um when there's like all this other stuff that we're like champing at the bit for um, you know, stuff like stuff about Batu, stuff, of, you know, set in the sequel trilogy. Um, 
you know, even like prequel stuff is, you know, kind of fun and different now. Um, so yeah, like I found that like really disappointing. I still didn't like really know who the new characters were, what was going on with that. And, and it was just like a kind of generic Han Solo adventure. Um, not like too far removed from, you know, stuff in like Star Wars, the Star Wars adventures comics or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I was like, uh, I hope that's like not all that's gonna happen with this book like i hope that's not what it is yeah no totally and um on like the what do you call the page that has the title and the credits and stuff like in the in the front of the book i don't know which the title page or whatever credit page um it it shows kind of like these new characters and with a you know their name next to them so you know who they are and stuff and there's doc andar uh remax kendo and wuro um, and there's other <laughs> characters in their little like gang or whatever too. They're smugglers or pirates or whatever. And like Doc Ondar is the only one I care about, you know, I, I have to yeah. say like the rest of them, it's just, um, yeah, they're fine, I guess, but you know, they're really only there kind of in the beginning and the end. And you know, this, this format is, is pretty similar, um, to Vader's castle, tales from Vader's castle. Mm-hmm. But you know, I kind of definitely found those characters more distinct and interesting um and you know i felt like the way that those stories played into the framing device was just more natural and and felt less shoehorned mm-hmm. than than this does at least early in the first issue or two yeah well really for me it's the first two issues and we can talk about sure. that as we go but i like the That's third fair. one quite a bit more yeah yeah um so then like moving on to the second issue um this one I liked a little bit more um, because, like, we kind of understood who the other characters were. Um, we got to see, like, a little bit of, like, Doc Ander's, like, craftiness and, like, you know, got to see him actually being, like, a character. Um, but then again, it was just, like, it was a, a Greedo story, which is fine. Um, we don't get a ton of Greedo stories. I also don't really think we need a lot of Greedo stories. Yeah. To be honest, I don't really... I think Greedo's story in uh, A New Hope is all the Greedo I really need. Like, I like him in that movie and in that context. Um, But I don't really care about anything else he's ever done. Can I complain for a second, Ryan? Um, Great. Yeah, just quickly. (laughs) But this is this is the thing that I really don't like with like Star Wars, you know, comics and novels and things like that is when they take a minor character from the movie and then try to tell these like epic stories about them or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like I, I would, you know. When I got done reading this comic, it was like, oh, this is the one where we try to make Greedo into something he's not. Like, a big deal, and, you know, you see him have, like, there's all these panels where he's in these, like, intense action poses, and, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's a bounty hunter, and, you know, you expect he's gotten himself into some trouble and things like that, but it's just one of those things where it's like, we're trying really hard to take someone who was a minor character, and you don't need to know anything else about, and and do all this, you know, stuff, and it's like... it just feels really unnecessary to me and mm-hmm. um, not very creative either because it just kind of feels like, well, I don't know, where what, what's some character from Star Wars that we haven't seen that much of? Oh, Greedo? Cool. Stick a blaster in his hand and, like, 
you know, and watch him be, and, and, and kind of the, the, the narrative arc or whatever, uh, thrust of this story is that like, um, every time it seems like the other guys have outsmarted Greedo, Greedo smarter. And every time it seems <laughs> like, you know, Greedo's going to lose the fight, Greedo wins the fight, you know? And it's just like, yeah. well, let me prove to you how bad of a, or how much of a badass Greedo is like for, <laughs> in this comic. And it's like on my list of things I needed to read about, you know, how much of a badass Greedo is, is pretty low on that list. And then <laughs> on top of that, when I want to learn more about Galaxy's Edge, like really at that point, Greedo's badassery is not something that I'm <laughs> looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And I think, um, like, again, like, we haven't had, like, a lot of Greedo stories recently, but we've had a lot of Bounty Hunter stories. Yeah. Um, like, you know, we've had, we've had Bosque stories, we've had Dengar stories, we've had IG-88 stories, and they're all kind of the same thing. Yes. Like, these guys are, like, super badass. They also feel completely interchangeable. Yep. And, yeah, I'll throw Boba Fett in there as well, because it's just the same kind of story for every one of them. Yeah. And, like... I like these characters. Like, I, I like them. I have, like, action figures of all of them. Like, I think they're great figures, great designs. Um, I think they're cool. I know their names. Like, they're great. But, like, I don't need to know anything more about them. And especially if it, if they are so interchangeable and it's the same kind of story every time. Like, that just doesn't feel necessary action figures of minor characters is the best like i love that you know but you're not trying to turn them into something they're not at that point you're just celebrating what they are and so i don't Mm -hmm. like the stories that try to like kind of you know generally speaking i guess i'm I'm painting with a with a a wide brush here or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know for the most part yeah i don't really like the stories that try to take a character from a movie and completely sort of change what that our perspective on that character or try to blow them up into something they're not. Um, to me, it just feels like, yeah, not, not a great approach. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my thing. And, but, but then it, you know, I do kind of feel a little bit, I guess, like, well, people that go to the comic book store and they pay, you know, their four bucks for an issue of a comic or whatever, that's sort of, in some ways that's, you know, that is a kind of defining part of comics is that they're, they're exaggerated and they're, larger than life and you know if you're going to read a comic about Greedo you probably expect he's going to be involved in some badassery or whatever so then part of me just thinks like well is this just the way you tell stories in this medium to a certain extent and I'm just you know wasn't what I or one one way that people tell stories in this medium anyways that 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 works for a certain audience that's looking for a certain kind of story yeah I mean there may be a degree of that but I think like Again, I think, like, Dr. Afra is, like, a completely different feel. Um, and we'll talk about her a bit more in, in a moment here. But, like, I think, you know, that book is more about, like, you know, like, thoughtful manipulation and, um, you know, character feelings and depth and interactions and stuff and like i don't know like people people like that so i think like i mean i it's just it feels like the ot just feels like a huge crutch 
for Marvel right now. Mm-hmm. And like it's just it's just kind of frustrating. Like and it seems like they they they're not being as experimental and branching out as much as they were. Um and this is just kind of like a general frustration I'm feeling, but like why can't we be getting a comic like based on the resistance characters? Like we got that that Kanan comic a few years ago from Rebels and that was awesome. Yeah, and but they weren't trying I, to protect Kanan and Rebels storytelling the way they are, you know. I think that's a Lucasfilm thing. Really. I mean, they did let Poe Dameron happen, I suppose. Yeah, no, no, no. I meant, like, the cartoon resistance. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like, yeah, like, give me stories about those pilots, like, you know, what they were doing before um, everything happened in season one. Like, that would be fun. Like, give me, like, I don't know, like doesn't have to be like a big story or anything but just like something different like i don't know like it just feels like every single like four out of five star wars comics i pick up every month are like have darth vader in them yeah (laughs) and it's like even like if like i'm a fan of darth vader like i and i like all these characters but like there is a such thing as like too much of a good thing. Yeah. And like we're really hitting that point now. Um and hopefully with um you know the the Skywalker saga wrapping up, like hopefully we'll be able to get some more like sequel trilogy stuff. Um but like there's like no books on the shelf that cover the prequels and there's still like stories that could be told there yeah and and when this comic was announced too it was sort of like at least in my head um and maybe my expectations are part of the problem but when it was announced it was sort of like one of these things where it was like well doc ondar is going to be spinning some yarns about how these items showed up in his shop and mm-hmm. you know that's factually accurate i suppose but that's not what the mm-hmm. experience of reading these stories feels like you know what i mean yeah um doc ondar is a very minor you know part of this and um, as you're reading the story about, you know, Greedo being hardcore or whatever, like, I'm not thinking about Doc Ondar telling that story. It doesn't feel like that's what's happening. It just kind of feels like, you know, um, we showed you a couple panels of Batu. Um, now here's some more OT stuff for, you know, 80% of the book. And then we'll, we'll show you a little Batu again at the end sort of thing. Um, and I'm also kind of confused in this one, um, with, uh, with Greedo, uh, issue number two. I'm also a little confused, Ryan. Can you help me out here with this this stormtrooper with the scar on his eye who's like, you know, mad about the lightsaber or whatever? Like, the same dude is then back on the ship with the Remax and Wuhor or whoever. <laughs> and, uh, like, <laughs> so is he working both sides? Like, is he a First Order trooper who is, like, cheating on the First Order with these guys? Or is he just pretending to be a First Order trooper? I can't figure out what's going on with that. Ooh, I didn't even, I literally didn't even think about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe. Um, also, it is cool I, that the one character, sorry, it is cool that the one character is a changeling though. I did like that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. No, I honestly have no idea. Okay. 
I mean, that kind of tells I, you a little bit about the quality of the uh, framing story that's being told here then, right? Like, we don't even know what's going on with these kind of pirate characters and stuff. Yeah. We're being pretty negative. Why don't we jump into issue number three? Yes. Which is actually which pretty is, great. That's, it's awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this uh, issue, I'd say stars Hondo. Anything Hondo um, is in stars Hondo is my take on it. Agreed. Every every Rebels um, episode and Clone Wars episode that Hondo is in, they star Hondo. Except for like those early Clone Wars episodes where like he's just like a tough guy and doesn't talk. Yeah. Those are that's super weird. Okay. Um but you know, this is the Hondo that we that we know and love. Um the one who's, you know, like I'm gonna kill you. Just kidding. Or maybe um like that whole thing um yeah and this one is like this is like what makes sense for this book to be because like hondo is someone who's like very involved in galaxy's edge um and then like you know and then there's like the framing device as well um so like you're pretty much getting like almost full galaxy's edge content here in this one yeah um and i think like again like we've been getting a like quite a bit quite a few more hondo stories recently um but like they're a different feel like like a hondo story is a different feel from like a greedo or boba fett or dengar ig88 story um and like i don't i mean i guess it's like also just personal preference because some people could could be like oh he's so annoying like i hate these stories um well i think the hondo stories like play to the strengths of hondo's character like the kinds of stories that they put him in are the kinds of stories that make a lot of sense for his character um Mm -hmm. i don't think that was the case with the greedo story i think you could argue that's the case with the han solo story in issue number one um Mm -hmm. but it's just there's been so many of those, you know, it just feels, that just feels so, um, you know, done, uh, that it's, it's, unless we're learning more about like who Han is as a person, or we're learning about a time in his life that we really don't know about or something, you know, sometimes that can be pretty exciting or whatever, but when it's just another like Han and Chewie, you know, straightforward Han and Chewie story set in Mm -hmm. the OT, you know, time period, that feels a little bit unexciting at this point. Yeah, and just to be clear, I am totally up for old Han solo, uh, old Han stories. Yeah, um, like if they started dropping those, like him, you know, like five years before Force Awakens, like that's the Han Solo story I want to read. Yeah, that would be awesome. I could also go for like scrum rat era Han Solo stories, mm. or even like Solo the movie you know, era Star Wars stories or solo stories. Mm. Yeah. I could go for that. I mean, and I'm not like totally against OT era Han Solo stories, but I feel like maybe put a moratorium on it for a while. Same with yeah. Luke, same with Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> like so I think if a you, little something else for a while. I, yeah. I think at this point, if you like laid out all the Darth Vader stories we've gotten since the uh, Disney 
acquisition. I think we've mapped out pretty much every second of Darth Vader's life um, between uh, between films and trilogies. Yeah. Uh, so there's really nothing else to tell. Right. <laughs> um, but this one's Hondo, and Hondo's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, and then when it gets out of the framing device into the to the the primary story, it's set on Jetta during the Rogue One era. Well, not during the Rogue One era, but like pre-Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, when Chirrut <laughs> is a guardian of the will, and that's way more fun and uh, way more um, uh, new and fresh feeling than a Han Solo or a Greedo story. And so that's another thing that really kind of elevates issue number three, I think way past one and two. Um, mm-hmm. Not only the Hondo stuff, not only that it feels more authentically tied into Galaxy's Edge instead of that just being an excuse to, you know, tell another Greedo or Han Solo story, but um, the fact that when you get into the stuff that's not, you know, directly set in in about Batu, it's still something way more fresh than, you know, the first two issues. Yeah, and there was like the first moment when uh, Chirrut showed up, I was like, eh, like, well, that's a that's a coincidence. Um, but then, like, five seconds later, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy that he's here. Like, <laughs> because, you know, again, we don't get stories about, like, him and Baze or um, Bodhi Rook or anyone. Like, we just don't get those stories. Um, so, yeah. So I just, uh, after, like, the initial, like, ah, um part then it was it was fine yeah yeah for sure i was i was pretty excited to see him and and uh you know his confrontation with hondo i think is is Mm -hmm. pretty cool and uh it feels very like the depiction of chirrut here and the way he acts and the dialogue and stuff i think feels very very legit to uh to chirrut so Mm -hmm. um i will say that uh Ethan Sachs with uh, with the script here for issue number three, I think, is uh, uh, did a great job with both of these established characters in terms of like really writing them in a way that feels like that's that is Hondo Anaka and that is Chirrut. So I think mm-hmm. that's great too. Yeah, agreed. And then the issue ends introducing another uh, known character um, in Doctor Afra. So, um, so we're seeing already, and you know, also we've seen this um, solicitations that the next issue there's a Doctor Afra cover. Um, so, yeah, so she's going to be um, in the next issue as well. So, yeah. So you, Ryan, must be pretty excited for issue number four then, as a big Doctor Afra fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, of course, like always excited to um, see her in other places besides her own monthly book. Um, And she is also someone who, like, she's an archaeologist. She's a space archaeologist. She's Space Indiana Jones, basically. And um, with, like, way more uh, emotional issues. But... um, But yeah, like, so she is like someone who's like, oh, yeah, you really fit in this story. Like, um, of course, you would 
either wants some item that Doc Condor has or, you know, or he'd want something that you had or even if it's not an item, like knowledge of something. Um, and so I think like she is a really good fit for this story in the same way like Hondo is. And, you know, she's not someone that we've had a ton of stories about or doesn't need to have stories about. So, um, yeah, I think like it will uh, be pretty fun uh, next issue. Like it'll be, you know, it's we've only really had two people write Dr. Afra like as a character. Um, you know, Kieran Gillen kind of created her and like gave her the voice and then Cy Spurrier has been writing the comic after um Kieran left it, but um I think those are the only people we've really had writing her. Um, and maybe Jason Aaron had her in there at some point in, like, his run. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it as of right now. So, um, I mean, I guess, like, we'll see if, like, the tone in the voice is right. But, um, I, I have faith that it will be, and it should be a pretty fun issue. Um, and then after that, just one more issue and the series wraps up. So, Cool. Yeah. Um, it, it's curious to see kind of where they're, where they're headed with it um, by the end, you know, if it will uh, maybe come together where the last issue is sort of set just in Batu and not have the framing device mm-hmm. thing going on, or if it will just kind of be five sort of loosely linked stories um, in the end or, or kind of what'll, what'll happen there. I mean, it would be nice if, the first two issues just got it off to a slow start. And then, you know, from three on, it's like really great and, um, and very satisfying and all that. But, um, Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess that remains to be seen. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And like, I think like what I really want out of this comic at the end of the day, um, that I still haven't quite gotten, um, is, you know, just a little bit more on the setting itself because, like, I want to be able to go into Batu into some, like, weird corner and be like, oh, wow, I totally know what that is because I read this comic. Like, I I don't know, like, some extra... um, Not just, like, extra trivia or anything, like, meaningless like that, but, like just extra context like to in the way that like the ancillary materials help us or you know sometimes cause us to appreciate different things in the films more uh like i want that sort of experience with um batu the the actual park the actual place from reading this comic and um you know Hopefully the next uh, next two issues deliver that. Yeah, and and for me, for for my part, I, I think uh, like I said, you know, at the beginning um, of the episode, I'm not going to be able to go to Galaxy's Edge until next summer, which is fine, you know, because I'm sure it'll take a lot of people longer than that. So I'm I'm lucky I'll mm-hmm. be able to go next summer. But um, you know, that being said, like not going until next summer, like I want stuff that's going to make me. I want to read this comic and be like that much more excited to go to galaxy's edge, you know, cause mm-hmm. like the lore is really cool and the locations seem really cool. And I think one of my favorite moments from 
all three issues was like there's just like a sort of establishing panel i guess you'd say and i don't know what the comics lingo is but uh um that that kind of shows off Ogus cantina and it shows mm-hmm. it full of people and it's just like oh this is like a this is like a cool place in the star wars galaxy and and like i wonder what kind of you know what kind of story um is going to be told about this bar or whatever and it's just like well actually hondo's sitting there but now he's going to tell you a story about something else and it really has <laughs> barely anything to do with the canteen yeah and like i, w- I want to be excited about the place and this comic isn't really doing that um for me even issue three i really like a lot it doesn't mm-hmm. really excite me to go to galaxy's edge or make me feel like galaxy's edge is that much more of an interesting location in, in star wars lore or anything i mean a little i guess but not in a big way so yeah hopefully yeah. the uh, hopefully the upcoming books um crash of fate and the uh the delilah s dawson uh, book that we never figured out the title for. Hopefully, no, those we will do a better job of kind of like really pumping us up for Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, agreed. Cool. But all right, we'll see. Okay, well, um, I think we'll wrap it there, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we will be back next week with another episode of the Blockade Runner Podcast. And uh, until then, you can track everything we do at Blockade Runner Podcast. Com. You can let us know what you think about Galaxy's Edge or about the show um, by emailing blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Blockade Run. And Ryan, your personal Twitter handle is? Braunjorf, B-R-A-W-N-D-W-A-R-F. And um, all the other relevant information for the show is there at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Um, so thanks very much for watching and listening, and we'll be back Uh, next week with more Blockade Runner podcast.